1: You know, one of the culture's greatest weaknesses is its naivete regarding the dark side of human nature. It gets conceptualized in different ways, like the fallen nature of man, or in Christianity it's called sin. The Chinese call it the yin and the yang. Uh, But the problem with this collective culture perspective is that that in great part it's due to the Enlightenment movement, which emphasizes a narrow understanding of reason, which typically is inadequate – when it tries to talk about how to access the deeper truth that, of what it means to be human. And a necessary step that soul's intent is about, of course, is this idea of self-understanding and trying to get some sense of what it means to heal that aspect of the self and this inherent division that comes with the dark side. And, of course, Carl Jung called this dark side the human shadow. And so tonight's topic is, uh, should be fun and joining me as always is Irma Francis Hi Irma
2: Hi Ernie
3: I love the topic tonight
1: Yeah you you I think you helped me with this topic I think you came up with opposite sides of the same coin
3: <laughs> <laughs> Well two sides of the, of the same coin really because that's that's what um shadow and light um seem like to me are are two sides of the same coin and that we really need them both and we wouldn't understand one without the other and and that's why i think this is such an important topic um, especially through your teaching which is which is psycho-spiritual which to me is so so important to include the um psychology with the the spirituality of ourselves.
1: Yeah, it, it's important for the listeners to understand that the human shadow is, is one part of the human ego, and uh, I, I like to use the example of rings of a tree, that if you ever cut down a tree and look at the rings, you can tell by the shape of the rings, if there's any deformity in the rings, then that particular tree went through a trauma well, in the human ego, it's the same thing, that if, you, if you've if you undergone any kind of trauma, which typically comes from guilt and shame, um, then it's going to leave an imperfection on that particular season of your life. And that imperfection stays there out of your awareness uh, and lies dormant until it's provoked into your awareness by uh, by stress or just by day-to-day living. And so the human shadow is just a layer of the... Of the human ego, but it's probably one of the most important layers because it's not strictly just a defense, a way to defend itself. It's actually the wounded part of the self, and so yeah, it's a very important topic because because spiritual work is really about healing. Uh, we, we I think we've kind of forgotten that <laughs> somehow. Uh, it's not about um, consciousness and enlightenment and higher states of awareness. It it is, of course, about those things. That's the perk of it. But the real depth of what spiritual work is about is how do I heal these imperfections in myself that tend to rear up in my life in some way? What do you think?
3: Yeah, exactly. That's such a good point that that spiritual work is about healing and how we kind of have gotten off track of that and focused more on the – Transcending and becoming enlightened than actually um the the healing aspect of it and and that has everything to do with um the shadow and the wounds, which um i'm I'm curious if if a person isn't um consciously choosing to heal. How does that then um play out in in a person's life? Like if you have an awareness of it, you kind of know when you're reacting to something strongly that, that, that it's um something was provoked, that a, a wound is being touched. But if you're not conscious of that, do you just go through your life blaming and um holding life and other people responsible, being kind of like a victim or?
1: Yeah, it's kind of a power play. Uh, if if the shadow, of course, since it is since it was created out of pain and created out of out of, out of adversity, uh, it's it's that retaliatory part of the personality. Uh, it's it, so it isn't just defending; it also retaliates. Um, and so it becomes a power play and a tug of war of whose shadow mm-hmm. is more dominant between the two. So. Uh, so yeah, if you're not if you're not healing the human shadow, then you're really at the mercy of it. It's kind of like the engine that is driving your passion, and you have no concept of of the engine's role. You see, and um, mm-hmm. it's an important it, it, it's it's an important piece because the shadow isn't you know what what we tend to say in Christianity is that it's the devil, and what we tend to say. Uh, and, and, and some other religious teachings is that it 's evil uh, the shadow isn 't evil it 's just handicapped it 's disabled it 's deformed mm-hmm. because it was it was created because of a perversion of its of its own experience, and that perversion causes it to become deformed, and that deformity uh, ends up being uh, Really, what fuels the guilt and what uh, what fuels the shame? It really just depends on on what what the person experienced. If it was guilt or shame, as to how that shadow takes place. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So so that sense of um, deformity, um, whether a per, especially if a person isn't um, consciously aware of of their shadow shadow self, it would I would imagine. Um, Make them kind of want to keep it hidden, which is, of course, yes, yes. <laughs> than it is in the shadows. And huh, yeah.
1: Which is which is part of the problem because it's it's okay it's okay to feel guilty and okay to feel ashamed about things that have happened to you or things that you've done that you're not real proud of. But what's not okay is to then make up that there's something wrong with you. Uh, because these things happened, um, unless you are really really deep in psychological disorder, this is the problem with the shadow if you're if if you if I go back to the examples of the ring of the tree, let's say a normal dimension between rings that each of the ring of the tree would be let's say a centimeter in width um, but the thickness of the ring would be like a centimeter a centimeter wide well, the human shadow is is wider than a normal ring would be, uh, because of its darkness. It's probably two or three or four times thicker. You see, and um, mm-hmm. so it's a little bit more difficult. It's a little bit more difficult to uh, to melt because that's what you're doing in spiritual work. As far as I'm concerned, when I say to people all the time to suffer with yourself instead of for yourself, why? Well, because to suffer with yourself allows you to sit with the suffering long enough to melt the ego and what you're doing is melting those layers well the the ego that is shadow takes a little bit more time to sit with and you have to understand uh the function of that to really to to really uh not be afraid of it and that's the that's yeah. the challenging part about it yeah
3: mm-hmm. yeah and to use the the rings of the uh the tree that's that's a really good um a visual to have. And so you said that the shadow is a layer of the ego, correct? The shadow is a layer yes, of it, the ego?
1: It, yeah, and it tends to be the thickest layer.
2: All, mm-hmm. all, all of the
1: layers really are just identifications of who we think we are. And in those identifications are defense mechanisms of all different types. Um, in the shadow is pain. In the shadow is mm-hmm. the memory of in, in, the sh- in the shadow is the memory of, of, of guilt or the memory of shame. And so it's, it's thicker. It's a little bit more difficult to work through. You said to me once one time in a conversation, I don't know if it was on the air or off the air, that you found it curious that as you've been doing spiritual work and you've been going to workshops and conferences and different things that people talk about transcendence. And you, mm-hmm. you asked me one time, you know, what, what are people trying to transcend? Well, this, this is one of the pieces. They're trying to transcend the shadow. Yeah. Rather, than to work, rather than to work through it, rather than to heal it, rather than to understand it, develop a relationship with it, they're trying to work around it. Of course, you can't do that and really heal. Uh, and so and so it, what 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 they're doing is actually just pushing the the shadow into a more repressed kind of a dormant place you know kind of like out of sight out of mind right and so right. people try to push the shadow people try to shoot just kind of push it out of out of their view and think that in, if they can accomplish that then they somehow won against the shadow and you do not win that kind of a game with the shadow all the shadow does is just lie dormant until until something provokes it, yeah.
2: Yeah,
3: so if the shadow is a uh, thicker um, layer of the ego and um, spiritual work, psychological work, spiritual work is about melting the ego, um, do we have to kind of go through those um, less thick layers of the ego before we can get to the shadow?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, there are. It depends on how how buried it is, how deep it is in your experience. I mean, and, and that's really a good question because if when I do uh, projective assessment, uh, like the Rorschach or the House Street Person or the incomplete sentence blank or any of these kind of projective tools that are available to me as a psychologist, when I do those, uh, I'm actually taking an X-ray of people's internal world. And one of the things I'm getting an X-ray of is their defense mechanisms. So, yeah, you've got to get some of the defenses out of the way to get down to the shadow. There's some of those defenses mm-hmm. that have to, that you have to kind of go through. And what happens with severe trauma, of course, is it cuts through it automatically. You, you don't have a choice. If I cuts your legs off or you become paralyzed, uh, that trauma will cut through all of the layers in a, just in one moment, in a millisecond, it just cuts through them, and so you have to deal with the shadow at that point. You don't have a choice, um, and and so and of course it comes out ugly because it comes from ugly. That's the point. Um, but the interesting part about it, and since we're talking tonight about being the same, you know, uh, how do you put it? The same side, uh, two
2: sides the of, the side of the same point. Yeah. yeah,
1: two two sides of the same mm-hmm. point. So
2: mm-hmm. so.
1: What what the listeners need to understand about that is, is that if – and I said this to you the other day, and you, you kind of liked it, so I'm going to say it again – that when I think about my own shadow and, and my own work and resolving my own uh, material, so to speak, um, I use the metaphor of a canvas, and I said that there was a time in my life when I believed and – and, and the key word there is I believed, I did not know – I believed that the canvas that was my life was predominantly dark. And it wasn't until I got further away from the canvas that I and, I, and I mean, stepped back from it, got more objective with my life and looked at my life objectively from a distance from the position that the soul would see it. But I began to realize that the canvas of my life against the canvas of the soul itself is tiny. So in other words, the, the human shadow is a, is just a, back, a black splotch on a very large white canvas. <laughs> and, um, and so that's, the, that's what people need to know is, is that as tenacious as the human shadow is and as tenacious as uh, the human spirit is, uh, the soul is eternal. <laughs> it's pretty massive in size. And uh, so it's much larger than this finite idea of self.
2: Um mm, and yeah. if that makes
1: yeah. if if that makes any sense and so
2: yeah that, that that mm. how it, so that's um, how
1: well, I was just going to say so that's how you begin to recognize that um that as you begin to do shadow work and you get further away from it and step back from it far enough to see the truth about it, it's a handicapped child. It's it's actually it's actually Eric Burns' idea of the inner child, um, that 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 deformity that you feel, that is dark, comes from a long time ago. It isn't present tense. And uh, and so, what you're doing when you're doing spiritual work is you're looking at the world through the eyes of an adult. And mm-hmm. so people that, are afraid, people that are afraid to do shadow work uh, remember um, the abuse. They remember the trauma that created the shadow, and they're afraid they're going to have to go through that again or that they're going to have to experience that again. And, and they don't understand that that fear is coming from a child's perspective. It isn't mm-hmm. coming from an adult. I say all the time to people that what's behind you is nothing close to what's in front of you.
2: Mm-hmm. That no matter
1: how hard your life no, no matter how hard your life has been, what's in front of you isn't even close to that level of hardship.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: especially true. That's especially true in shadow work. Yeah, because yeah, you're really I kinda know. Yeah. Yeah, because what you're really kinda doing is you're 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 taking responsibility for it and really kind of parenting it into the present. Loving it into the present. Yeah. Rather than yeah rather than how, it, than how it was formed. it was If it was formed with guilt, then you were you were pretty much conditioned to believe most of your life that you couldn't do anything right, that everything you did was a mistake. And you went left when you should have gone right and that you report making decisions and, and this was kind of hammered at you at a very young age. And so you just went, oh my gosh, sir, but there must be something wrong with me because I keep making all these mistakes. Well, that's a child's perspective. That's when you got that... When you got that kind of a thing, same thing with shame. If you if you got um, treated and abused and rejected and abandoned and all the different things that shame tends to go through, then you think you're not love worthy, and so you do self hatred and self loathing because of that. And again, it's the child that's doing that. The adult can choose not to not to take that perspective. If that makes sense,
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah, it does, and and I I would imagine then because it is um, a lot of times from childhood, and and we're not realizing that that um, it can seem really exaggerated because we're experiencing it as as if we're a child rather than an adult. So we need that adult to kind of bring it into the present. Otherwise. It would it would seem so so big so exaggerated. We would never do that without having the adult self to kind of help it and guide it into the present to heal.
1: Well, and what's cool about it is that when it happened to you, nobody had your back.
2: Mm. Today,
1: <laughs> today, the, the soul has your back. Mm. Uh, it's I mean the soul was there to catch you when you fall. The soul is there to guide you and to orchestrate your life in a way for you to see what it is you need to see. So something has your back.
2: Mm-hmm. That is that
1: in, that invisible something else that the soul is connected to, God, collective consciousness, whatever your word is for it, it it is essentially your your uh, your safety net. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so if you can remember that. Because nobody had your back when that shadow was formed, you see. People mm-hmm. violated you. People people were, people were, didn't have integrity. People didn't – who they said they were was not who they turned out to be. and And so that's how all that kind of – all those things kind of get conditioned into us. And so now the integrity that you're looking for that may not have come from your environment or your culture now comes from you.
0: And it mm-hmm. comes from the
1: integrity of the soul. And in the, in, in the integrity of the soul really is just, you know, is to, to just simply let yourself be, allow yourself to be in the dimension of love, truth, and freedom. It's something that you mm. choose. Right. Wow. Does that make sense? I really, Did like, it?
3: Yeah, it does. And I really like that, that, that now your soul has your back. It's kind of, um, as you were saying that, I was thinking, too, you, you know, your soul is your soft place to fall. Your soul is.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Wow yeah, and, and, and really
2: it,
1: it, yeah, well, and, and what's cool about that is is that that from the soul's perspective the 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 shadow is absolutely a child, and from the soul's perspective, it really just wants that child to be integrated into the total self, because in that child, you know in the, in the concept of the inner child, a lot of people don't know this, but the inner child never gets any older than a teenager so 19 is as old as the, is the inner child get right so that uh, that the uh, so flashback when you were a teenager all of that curiosity that you used to have all of the energy all of the excitement uh, the idealism the optimism all the stuff that comes in the risk taking all the stuff that comes with adolescence, and in dealing with authority, and, and trying to get a sense of boundaries, all that is now being looked at through the eyes of an adult.
2: Mm-hmm. And so you can
1: actually become—you can actually become the very integrity that you wished you experienced. Wow. Kind of cool, huh? That's-
3: it's yeah. very cool. It's <laughs> very cool. Something I was thinking of, too, when um, you were talking about defenses, I was thinking and, and connected to the layers of the ego and how those defenses kind of have to be melted and um, almost put at ease so the, the shadow can surface and that can be healed and, and dealt with. And I was thinking, um, as you were talking about defenses of the ego, I was thinking, well, what is what is the opposite um, feeling of defense? And it would be vulnerability. So unless and until you yeah. kind of melt those layers of the ego, you're missing out on so much because it's vulnerability that really um, taps us into our our. our Full senses, our, our full way of, of living life, and without that vulnerability, we're we would be really missing out on a lot.
1: Yeah, that's where the strength in vulnerability is. The strength in vulnerability is is that the 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 opposite of defense would be to just allow life mm-hmm. to be as it is, mm-hmm. re- rather than try to control. Because remember defenses are are put in place because of the lack of control and so and so all of defense mechanisms that are put in place is is a way to try to gain control and That's and look nice at how young, and you young you are that. when you're make, when you're when you're making those decisions you're making those decisions between. Between birth and six, the ego is is a soft piece of clay. From six to about twelve or thirteen, it becomes a hard, fixed structure. And then, as you enter adolescence, you just play it out for the rest of your life. That that hard, fixed structure and all of its deformities. You play it out. So, so those defenses. What what I like to say is, if you could imagine a defense that you know, if I if I ask you your your, what is your age, chronological age, and let's say you say that I'm forty, well, your defense is not forty. It was created
2: mm-hmm.
1: back, between, you know, back between six and probably 13, 14, 15 years of age is when those defenses were created. So it would be like going back into – or going up to the attic of your house and pulling out a sweater or a blouse that you wore in junior high school, and you find that it doesn't fit. That's a defense mechanism. It fit the mm-hmm. time. It was, it was even appropriate for the time. It doesn't fit the present. And so Mm -hmm. that's why you got to let it go. That's why you have to let it go, because now it's an obstacle.
3: I really like that. The defenses on on one side is is allowing, and on the other side is is kind of control. And, wow, that that just makes so much sense to me. So in that place of allowing, you would be present, and you would be kind of in a – vulnerable place of um, being at peace, really, because there's no way you're going yeah. to allow life to kind of unfold unless you, unless those defenses have been melted.
1: Well, and we're flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, this is what we all need to remember, is, is that when these defenses were created at a very young age, we were making it up. In fact, we were experimenting with defenses. I will withdraw. I'll retreat. Uh, I'll become introverted. Uh, I won't talk as much. Uh, I'll wear blue instead of red. I mean we come up with these crazy – experimental ways to defend ourselves. And then if it tends to work, we hang on to it. If it doesn't work, we throw it away and try another defense. But then as soon as we find defenses that work, we then adopt them and incorporate them into the personality, and now they become a hard-fixed way to be in the world. And so, yeah, I mean, if you can think that personality really is just a suit of clothes we put on to survive our lives, uh, it, it is not who we are, you see. And mm-hmm. so personality, at some level, at some level, has to collapse for us to get here. Our our thought, our thoughts mm-hmm. of who, we, our our thoughts of who we think we are, has got to collapse so we can actually fully get here.
2: And uh, and mm-hmm. what's
1: collapsing are these ego identifications and these defense mechanisms. And in the shadow's case, uh, we we can't just simply let go of shadow because it's tied to uh, it's a much thicker. Kind of uh, ingredient in the ego, so it has to be kind of coddled and nurtured and nursed into the present uh, because mm-hmm. it doesn 't trust adult, it doesn 't trust adults it doesn 't believe that the world has integrity um, it 's been violated, and so it it stands really in front of that uh, that little boy or girl that we used to be, kind of like kind of like a bully. You know, or a monster, if you will, it stands in front. Mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, I, I see this because I'm a guy. I see this big gorilla <laughs> standing in front mm-hmm. of a little boy between between uh, you know six and nine, six and twelve years of age. And this gorilla was formed to protect him. And, mm-hmm. and that, and this gorilla is this gorilla is not going to let you parent this child until you prove that you have integrity. Oh, wow. And. uh and so and so and so it's a process, as you might imagine, it's a process of understanding that this is a dialogue, it's a communication that's taking place inside of you all the time. It tends to show up symbolically or metaphorically in your life. And then, and, but then we also project our shadow onto others so we even find shadow characters that even match the ingredients that fit our own idea of shadow. And rather than own it, we put it on somebody else so we can see it and but we don't realize it's our own reflection coming back.
2: It's mm-hmm. our own reflection. It's
1: mm-hmm. like when you it's like when you see somebody when you meet somebody for the first time and you and there's just something about them that you don't like, you don't understand that, that what you don't like about them is the same thing you don't like about yourself.
2: hmm
1: and, and and if you understood that, then you would be able to tell where you stop and start and where the other person stops and starts, and then that's when you start taking responsibility for what's your shadow and what's their shadow. And it's easy Mm -hmm. to magnify. It's easy to magnify. Projection is is one of those defense mechanisms. It's probably one of the most widely used defense mechanisms to project our ugly on
2: Mm -hmm. others.
3: So therefore, we don't
1: have to own it. Yeah. When,
3: when when you were talking about the the shadow as a monster and and um, you used uh, the um, image of a gorilla, when you did that, I just kind of flashed on you know being being near Chicago and all the violence that that happens in Chicago mm-hmm. and I, and and a lot of it is you know the youth. Doing the violence, and and I just flashed when you said, you know, the gorilla standing in front of that little boy, and it almost brought me to tears because that that really is what's happening with the the violence yes, in yeah. the youth. It's their shadow. It's standing in front of that little boy, because, and they're yeah.
1: Because we forget, we forget that that gorilla used to just be a baby monkey.
2: Mm, we forget. Yeah.
1: Like, that that gorilla used to, used to be an infant, that gorilla used to be a child before it ever became a gorilla, you see. So, so this is that, you know, I, I said, and I've said this before on the air, that you've got this little kid behind the, the, the driver's side of the car kicking the back of the seat saying, are we there yet, are we there yet? Well, how you respond to that child in the back seat determines what that child's going to shape shift into, particularly if it's mm-hmm. a shadow. Uh, mm-hmm. to defend itself it will shape shift it will become mm-hmm. it will act out it will it will retaliate it will do all different kinds of uh, behavioral things to get your attention if you don't understand mm-hmm. that the acting out and the behavior is so you'll love them so you will accept them so you will invite them into the front seat if you understand what that's for it's a defense mechanism i don't want to be a gorilla I want to be a little boy. Most people that mm-hmm. have shadow, particularly people that have really dark, intense shadow, they're angry. Uh and that anger has to go somewhere.
2: Mhm.
1: And they either they, they either direct it at themselves or they direct it at you. There is no third place to go with it. But they right. don't want to be angry. They don't they mm-hmm. don't want to have to be to be ugly. They don't want to have to be dark to get what they need and what they want in the world. And what do they need? What do they want? They want to be accepted. They want to be loved. They want to fit in. They want to be able to take a breath like the soul would want them to do and just take a sigh of relief that it's okay to be me. No matter what I've been through or what I've endured, it's okay to be me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and not have to apologize for the shadow. Because if we stick within the, the Chicago piece, you know, a lot of these gangs, mm-hmm. a lot of these street kids are growing up in cultures of gorillas. Their father was a gorilla. Mm-hmm. Their father's father was a gorilla. They live, they live <sighs> in a section of the world where, where gorillas are really the, the norm for the day.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: they don't – and so they're being forced to grow up. I mean, if you ask any child that belongs to any gang anywhere in the United States between 9 and 12 or 13 years of age – would they prefer to get a tattoo as a rite of passage and go out and rob a store or rape and pillage the culture? Or would they, or would they choose to just be nine and play Nintendo and, and play with their friends and ride bicycles and go, go skateboarding? If they had a choice between those two, trust me, they would pick the latter. They would pick to mm-hmm. just be a normal little boy. But they no. don't get that no. choice, you see. The choice that they get is, I've got to become a gorilla or I'm going to die. I've got to become a gorilla or I'm not going to survive this. Yeah.
2: Right. And Mm -hmm. they're angry
1: about it. Mm -hmm. And they're angry about it, of course. Yeah.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the more the, you know, that shadow, that um, acts out, then the world then comes back even harder, and there's more acting out, and so it's like a a no-win situation, or or it seems to be. I I would imagine for them, it seems to be a no-win oh, well, situation. Well, well, now
1: now it's well now now it's a way of life. Now now it's a mm-hmm. now it's a, it's a it's a cultural thing. I mean, if you could pick up your suitcase and your clothes and move across the tracks to another culture, you would, but it isn't that simple. You know, mm-hmm. you got to leave the got to leave all that cultural all that cultural stuff behind to do that. You see, uh, a gorilla is mm-hmm. a gorilla, no matter what kind of tracks it lives on. So, so it, so there's a lot of conditioning that goes into to shaping and forming the human shadow. And so, what you mm-hmm. have to do is you've got to revert, you've got to reverse all that conditioning. And
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and and it takes uh, it takes um, a fair amount of patience and commitment. On the person's part, to even believe that it's possible to heal, mm-hmm. that it's possible to be, to be different. I mean, I get kids all the time that say to me, "You mean I have other choices? You mean mm-hmm. I don't have to be this way?" And I mm-hmm. go, "Yeah, you can make another choice." You know, uh, mm-hmm. that's what I say about my own about my own experience. You know, this. I mean, I I I grew up. Uh, in, in a pretty rough scenario, uh, I was a street kid for a little while. I was in a state care system. I was in an orphanage. I was fending for my life and fending for myself all the way, but there was a part of me that thought there was a larger truth than the one I was born into. You've mm-hmm. got to hold on to that. You, you've mm-hmm. got to hold on to the idea that there's, there's something larger than what I'm experiencing. This can't be normal and, and you got to get some kind of sense of what normal would be, and you have to go after it at some level. It's not a passive process to, um, to heal the human shadow. Committed to the idea uh, that it's possible to heal, and then and they get out of your head as the compass and begin to use the real compass, which is the human heart, because it is the seat of empathy and compassion and gratitude and love and all those wonderful things that we talk about that come from a heart-centered existence. I mean, you've got to trust that that compass is real, and mm-hmm. um, and, and 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 you have to have some experience with it. And, and typically, what mm-hmm. happens if, if we if, if we stay in this same line of thought? It, typically, what happens is all you got to do is meet a good-hearted person.
2: Mm right
1: and and then meet okay. and then meet another good-hearted person another good-hearted person and you go like wow the street i grew up on doesn't have this this is pretty right. nice right and the good in right. and in in the good-hearted section of the world i'm getting respected i'm getting i'm being talked to instead of down to i'm getting loved instead of beaten i'm getting accepted instead of rejected you know, I am fitting in instead of being an outsider. I mean, all of those things begin to happen in a in a in a heart centered world. And so that's what mm-hmm. happened to me. You know, I
2: mm-hmm. I met
1: some good people along the way and I and I decided, you know, wow, I I I like good people. What does it mean mm-hmm. to be good people? I, I, I think I told you one time I had a I got into trouble once. Well I got into trouble all the time when I was a kid for all kind of stupid stuff, but mm-hmm. I got into trouble once, and I was a really great liar. I could lie with, with the best of people. I was a good liar, and, but now, of course, I didn't believe my own lies. <laughs> but lying, lying is a very typical thing for juvenile delinquents to do because they don't want to take responsibility for, for their behavior, of course. Well, I remember one day having this sensation that uh, – because this one particular time I got into trouble, I got blamed for something I didn't do. And I was just mm-hmm. adamant, and I was all over—I was all over myself. I did not do this, you know. Why don't you believe me? And it's like, well, Ernie, you lie all the time, you know. How are we going to believe you? And so I said, okay. "quote How many tr- how many truths do I have to tell
2: <laughs> before
1: <laughs> it, it erases all of my lies?"
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, and nobody ever gave me the answer to that. But I figured out later that there isn't a magic number. I had mm-hmm. to decide to live in the truth. Yeah. Mm. I had to get to a place I had to get to a place that I was more truthful than not. <laughs> and um
2: uh, mm-hmm.
1: and, and 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 begin to kind of trust the truth. Well this is this is part of what what you have to do. It's a it's a process of understanding. But uh mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. the thing I want the thing I want the listeners to hear though is is that the that part of the self that spiritual part of the self, which is that, that reactionary feeling side of the self, which is tied to the heart and tied to the body, uh, it wants to be here. It wants to be in the present. Uh, it wants to see life clearly. It's looking for integrity. It's looking to trust. And, uh, but it is isn't a passive process. You have to go after it at some level. And all you need, you know, I said to you one time that uh, we were talking about faith, the definition of faith and uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the conversation but but I ask you have you ever considered how faith grows how does faith happen and there's such a thing as mm-hmm. blind faith a lot of people have, have blind faith but I'm talking about genuine faith how does it first of all how does it get started then how does it grow momentum or grow traction in your life and the answer is that faith is hope that has been rewarded so if you hope and you never get rewarded for it, then you don't ever accumulate any sense of faith. It's almost like self-worth and self-esteem. If you don't have, a, you don't have, you don't have any kind of reward uh, for being who you are in the world, then you don't get to build confidence. You don't get to build security. Uh, you just begin to think that you're screwed up. You know, that no matter what you do, it yeah. doesn't seem to come out right. No matter yeah, you know, no matter what happens, it's my fault, and, and so there must be something wrong with me, and and that mm-hmm. and so and so, and what is it? And this is what's cool about the work I'm teaching is that what do you what can you have faith in? Well, you may not be able to have faith in, in the in the people that are around you. You may not be able to have faith in your neighbor, faith in your partner. The one thing you can absolutely have faith in is your soul's intent. Because your soul's intent is really quite simple. Yeah, it's really quite simple.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The soul's intent is that you become fully embodied, that you become fully in this existence without defenses, without anger, without depression, without grief, without paranoia, without fear. The soul just wants you to be. And mm-hmm. and and so... You, you can absolutely have faith in that because that's and, and you know that's real because because you have the angst of difference. And so, in other words, you feel you're different, you feel aberrant, you feel guilty, you feel ashamed. Well, what is it that's making you feel that? It's not your brain, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's not the experiences that you that you've endured. It's your soul that's making you feel that.
2: Mm-hmm. 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 Because
1: your soul knows knows that this existence doesn't have to be the way that it's been. It's the larger truth.
2: Mm-hmm. Right, It's the right. larger
1: truth. Yeah, that, that there's something else mm-hmm. besides this this craziness that I started out in. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And the importance of um, even even um, if you have one person when you're younger in your life that is is that good person that even though you may be acting out um you know from that that sha- <clears throat> that shadow place <clears throat> if you have one person one good person in your life that can see past that shadow and see mm-hmm. your soul they actually are mm-hmm. seeing you. They're seeing you and I it I don't I don't care. I I, I I would think no matter where a person is in life, no matter how far down they've gotten, they I think a person knows when their soul is being seen and it just changes them. It just changes them.
1: I can oh yes it does. And I can tell you mm-hmm. who the one person is. I can tell you who the one person is in the culture.
0: And I can Mm -hmm. tell you
1: this because I've worked worked with so many people, thousands of people that are dealing with uh, childhood issues. Who do you think Mm -hmm. is the one person that the child could trust, the one person the child could go talk to, the one person that they felt safe with? Who do you think the one person was?
3: Well, I think I know because I remember a conversation we had.
1: Grandmother? Grandmother, absolutely. I can't tell Mm -hmm. you the number of times that I have talked to people, and I've listened to the messages that they got from their parents, the conditioning, the guilt, the shame, the abuse, the rejection, the addiction, the abandonment. I can't tell you the number of times I bet – I'm going to make up this number, but I don't think it's an exaggeration – somewhere between 65 and 75%. I said, is there anybody in your family? Anybody at all? And invariably, they went to grandmother.
2: Mm -hmm. And so I said, well,
1: and so I said, and and so, and so what, now watch how cool this is. So if that's true, if you can't go to the dad that's in your head that you had, and you can't go to the mother in your head that you had, but you can go to your grandmother as you're sitting here doing self-loathing and self-hatred and you're doing guilt, what would grandma say? And invariably (laughs) they say exactly what they need to say. They would say, Hmm. well, grandma says. You know, that she loves me no matter what. And grandma says that it'll be okay. And grandma says that mom and dad have problems, but it's not my fault. And I said, well, you know, it sounds to me like you need to be listening to grandma.
2: And then they say, (laughs) well, grandma's
1: been gone. Grandma's been gone for a long time. I said, yeah, but you still got the message in your head.
2: Mm-hmm. and and so mm-hmm. and
1: that and that and that and that's a powerful thing i mean that's the epitaph, that's the epitaph or is that what that's called on the head, on the on the headstone uh, mm-hmm. uh on the on the head on the headstone of all grandmothers i'm going to say 65 70% of grandmothers and i and, and i'm not going to say grandfather was in there some but not at the level the grandmothers were so what i'm going to say mm-hmm. tonight is that on the headstone Of all the cemeteries in the world, not just in the United States, there should be a quote, a phrase, I love you, you're okay, you're going to be all right. Uh, The world sometimes is rough, but you'll make it. Whatever grandma said, go back and get that because that's the message that you need to go to. And uh, – when I look at my own grandmother, I mean, my grandmother saved my life. I mean, literally, my mother tried to stab me with a paring knife once, and my mother, my grandmother took, a, took it in the leg. She took the stabbing in her own leg.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: My mother would lock me out of the house. My grandmother would let me back in. My mother wouldn't feed me, but my grandmother always brought me food. When I was afraid, my mother would scare the bejesus out of me. My grandmother would always comfort me. So these, and my grandmother looked like the grandmother from the Goonies. I mean, she was a scary-looking grandmother. Uh, But, but I remember that. I remember that about her. I remember her role, you know. And believe it or not, it's something. It's something I've never forgotten. You know. And I think there's a lot of kids out here that are in that same boat. And so when you're talking about shadow, when we're talking about shadow. The divine character in your own life is that one person that you knew you could go to. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have anybody, and if and if you, and if it's if, it, and if unfortunately you had nobody to go to, you still have the soul.
2: Mm-hmm. And and the
1: reason and reason it's important to understand that is the soul's intelligence, and the soul's intent is for you to understand that the pain that you're going through is nothing but a self corrective measure you are suffering to self correct not because you deserve it, not because you 've done mm-hmm. anything wrong it's you are mm-hmm. suffering to self to self correct and I will be here when you come through this mess I will be here when you wake up uh, and and this is this is the this is what you can also hang on to if you don't have that one figure in your life. Mm, and that's and such you can an and you
2: can, Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm.
3: it is.
1: It is.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. That it's that it it is self-correcting. Your suffering is to self-correct. It's not. It's not a punishment.
1: Yeah, yeah. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're not uh, walking around with this dark side because you deserve it. You're walking Mm -hmm. around with the dark side because it's impossible to be in this existence and not have one. I love what Carl Jung said when he first came up with the concept of the human shadow. He says, does everybody have a shadow? His answer was beautiful. He said, anybody who dares to stand in the light casts a shadow. Mm
2: -hmm. So he's essentially saying,
1: anybody, anybody who dares to be honest knows they have a dark side.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: the, ethi- the ethical people, the ethical people on the planet tend to take their shadow out on themselves. The moral people, the righteous people, tend to take their shadow out on others because they were victimized. They feel like they, they should victimize others. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. And don't we really still very much live in a moral society?
1: Yeah. More, more so than, mm-hmm. we, than than we realized. More so than we yeah. realized. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and And of course, the whole the whole premise of the of the soul's intent is is that I'm trying to offer people a context that gives them a wider, broader, more panoramic view of their lives, rather than that myopic, narrow view of the human ego. That's why I say all the mm-hmm. time. that if you imagine a, a, a viewfinder of a camera, that's all the ego sees. The soul sees yeah. everything the camera does, does not take in, and that's a big yeah. deal to get.
2: It is.
1: It's, it's a whole different pair of glasses, right? <laughs>
3: yes. Absolutely, absolutely. I have a couple questions I hope I I hope I can get to before the, the show's over. Sure. But before I ask those so- before I ask those questions, I just want to say this for the listeners because it was so powerful when you said it to me. And I won't have your exact words because you, you have such a, a lovely way of of using pictures to um, when you speak. But you said um, something along these lines, and you can expand on it. Um, Egos bump into each other and souls merge. And, and it, there was a lot more you said with that. But gosh that really really stood out to me it really really did and it's just so so true and that's one of the perks to, of of doing your work is you know going from that that place of just you know people bumping into each other egos bumping into each other to souls merging it's a much different life experience
1: <laughs> it's it's what it is is a valid communication uh, versus mm-hmm, a, just mm-hmm. an egoic versus an egoic communication. Okay, you've got you've got mm-hmm. twelve minutes. What was your question?
3: Okay. Well, I think you had had um talked before about the shadow kind of holding our, our passion.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So yep. if the if the shadow holds our passion, um does the passion then go away if the shadow gets healed? What happens to the passion? Oh, no.
1: No, no. <laughs> the, what, what, when, I, when I say that the shadow is, is your passion, what I mean is, is that if you look at the definition of the word passion, it means suffer. Uh, and so passion, purest sense, is, is longing uh, for uh, presence, longing to just simply be. Uh, passion oh, nice. that's contaminated turns into, turns into desire. And desire oh, okay. implies, yeah. yeah. And desire implies something is lacking. So no, what what happens to the passion of the shadow once it's healed, is it now moves into a place of longing instead of a place of of trying to satisfy something that's missing. Because the something that's missing is, is is them, and once they get fully here and fully healed in some way, the passion shifts to what it's supposed to do is just to be pure longing the the, the natural the natural state uh, of um, of the heart uh, is longing and uh, and mm-hmm. what is it longing for to, 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 to simply go in the direction of its true north It mm-hmm. longs to be go. To go in to go into its direction that it into the direction of which it is being pulled, that is the longing of the human heart uh to be to go in the direction of which it's being pulled, and so it's totally different than desire because that implies dissatisfaction and a lacking of some sort.
3: oh my gosh, that's just so so. Clear. So if, if your shadow yeah. is unhealed, then then your passion is coming from a sense of desire, which is a sense of, of lack, of missing something. And so you would be kind of um, driven to plus, fulfill
1: plus, those desires.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Plus, plus, plus all the emotions that went into forming the shadow, which is anger, anger. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, all all of the emotions that kind of feed that. So what what you move into when you heal the shadow is you move from being an emotional uh, uh, person to a feeling person. The shadow is actually afraid to feel because it got its feelings hurt to begin with. Mm -hmm. That's That's actually how it was formed. It was formed because of hurt feelings. Yeah.
3: Gosh, that's just so so clear. So even in um like Buddhism, you know, the um enlightenment is the end of all desire. Well there would be another way to, to look at that.
1: Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah.
3: Well, that is so, so clear. So so my what other, was your other question, question was Well we've talked a lot about um the shadow. Um, and that's you know one one side of the coin, and the other side of the coin, if we're talking about two sides of the same coin, would be the light. So in in mm-hmm. um, how would you describe what in the spiritual community is is called the light? How would you describe that from a psychospiritual?
1: Um, well, the light, the, the light, the the light. Light is is a word that we use. The, the light is the ambiance. Of love truth and freedom
2: mm. in other words mm. love,
1: truth, and, love truth and freedom does not exist in the dark it exists in the light
2: so mm. so
1: it illuminates so light is illumination and illumination is clarity and clarity is 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 really the ambience or the tone or frequency of the dimension of love and truth and freedom so that's the opposite does that make sense? Oh,
3: yes it does.
2: <laughs> yeah. Ambience. Yeah,
1: you're not trying yeah, you're I mean I mean if you could think that it, and that's a good word if you if you thought because I haven't said it that way before that if you thought that what you're trying to do when you're moving from the dark into the light what you're really trying to do is to go from a place of no vision to a place of illumination. And in that illuminated place everything is clear. Nothing is hidden. Mm. And, and in that place of clarity, in that place of clarity is truth and love and freedom, you see, yeah.
3: Wow.
1: That is such a makes beautiful way to put it. does. Makes, <laughs> and it makes sense. I love it when things make sense. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why I'm trying to say that the shadow is not, uh, you know, we, we've kind of given it in the culture, we make it out to be evil, when actually it's just a blind person trying to find its way in the dark. Yeah. If it could be illuminated, trust, trust me, if it could be illuminated, it would. And so
2: mm-hmm. that's
1: why when you shine the light, that's why you when you shine the light on the shadow, it tends to run and hide. So what you have to do is you have mm-hmm. to ease the shadow into the light. You can't just abruptly throw it there. Unless you're traumatized, and then you are abruptly thrown into the light. You're thrown into the truth of where you are because of trauma. But if you subtly move through, the the dark to get into the light then it isn't nearly as intimidating so illumination is done in doses you can't you know and so and the more illuminated you become uh then dark begins to shift to gray and then gray begins to shift all the way to 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 an illuminated place and so yeah that's really what that is i mean the human shadow the human shadow cannot uh, can only can see in the dark. It's it's nocturnal. It has great vision, great vision in the dark. But in the light, it's blind. And
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: the light is blind. And so that's why you have mm-hmm. to ease it in. You have to ease the shadow into that illuminated place, or otherwise you're going to blind it and run it back into the dark.
3: Huh? Which which again makes me think. Yeah. Hmm.
1: I was just going to say, that's why it's a process. Mm -hmm. Makes you think what?
3: Well, it makes me think of of all the um, wounded youth um, and their shadows acting out that really the only thing that can really help them is the compassion of other people because, like you said, if you um, just abruptly – confront the shadow it runs
1: into hiding that's 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 the beauty irma of um of being somebody who carries the light if you're somebody Mm -hmm. that has healed you and you're somebody that's in a helping role then not much unlike grandmother who's carrying a lantern that says that in this place in my presence uh in this particular light you're just fine uh and this is and this is what that is I mean, so we're what we're starving for in this culture is somebody with that lantern that allows us to be able to navigate the dark until we can can tolerate being in the light ourselves in the truth. Yeah.
3: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. And and I I personally yeah. think that that's what you bring in your teaching. That is what you're helping people understand and um, to cultivate in themselves. This is to be that illumination, to be that
1: illuminated self. I really do. Well,
2: so <laughs> well, and well, and. and.
1: Well, well, I was going to thank you for that, but, but and, and that's a good place to close. I mean, I, I think that what I want folks to hear is, is that the, the idea is uh, you have a choice about how you carry yourself in the world. Uh, do you want to merge and hide in the dark, or do you want to be an illuminated individual who causes other people that are in your presence to also be illuminated? Uh, because mm-hmm. the, light is contag- the light is contagious, in the same way that, that the shadow is quicksand, the light mm-hmm. is contagious.
2: Once,
1: once mm-hmm. you begin to feel the freedom, once you begin to feel the freedom of the dimension of love and truth, uh, then you begin to feel the ease of existence, the ease of what it means to be here. And that certainly is the goal. Uh, and that certainly is the soul's intent. Uh, the soul's intent is that we, that in, in our full incarnation, that we be exactly who we were intended to be, not the deformity that we turned out to be. And, uh, and, and, that, and that deformity is only, of course, safe in a dark place because in a dark place it isn't as visible. So if you begin to realize that everybody's walking around with these deformities, everybody's walking around with the shadow, you don't have to be intimidated by it nor ashamed for mm-hmm. it. One, one of the biggest things that I began to realize as I began to heal my own shadow is is that everybody has got a skeleton. Everybody has got a demon. But not everybody has the courage to find their way into the light, so to speak. And it's a real, it's a real important piece. Well, Irma, thank you so much. Another mm-hmm. wonderful show. Thank you, show. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, everybody. Okay, good night.
0: Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible.